This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there and thanks for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen and you're listening to The Faith Experiment and this is episode number 45 of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling this episode Ancient Discoveries. Now, on this episode, I have a great book to give you. It is a book called Amazing Discoveries of Daniel and Revelation. You'll absolutely want to get this book. It is exploring some of the deep things of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, as the title suggests, and it's going to help you have not just a good understanding of these parts of Bible prophecy, but how to explain it and share it with others. Now, to get this book, you'll need to stick around during the show. I'm going to give you a code word, and you text that code word to the Faith Experiment number so get out your phone get out a pen whatever you got to do save this number now the number is 04 that's 04 so save that into your phone and wait for today's code word to get this amazing resource well on the faith experiment i love to hear from you and so i would love to hear you once again text me in 04888 Let me know where you're listening to the show today Or you can email me on Robbie at faithfm.com.au Let me know what you think as we go through the episode Text in your thoughts and your comments And we'll pick them up in the inbox of the next episode Now if you're joining me for the first time This is a show about putting faith into practice So far on the show I've shared with you How I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter And how I have been practicing with these books, experimenting with these ancient manuscripts to see if they are, in fact, able to do what they claim, and that is to transform life. Now, if you've missed any previous episodes, I'd encourage you to go check them out. You can get them on the Faith FM app from your app store, or you can go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcasting section for The Faith Experiment. You can also find The Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it easy for you to keep up to date. Now, today's episode... Ancient Discoveries. You know, as we have been going through a lot the last few years, we have seen an increase in people asking, what does the future hold? And is there any hope? You know, as we look at things like what's taking place in Ukraine, we just recently saw the uh, 12-month anniversary of the Ukraine war and the dis- the, the catastrophe and the disasters happening over there in Europe. And people are asking what is happening around the world. You know, some people have said that that, that event in Ukraine has destabilized most of the world. The uh, people are blaming inflation on that. I think you could also blame some of the COVID uh, mandates and restrictions for that as well. But anyway, people are looking at what's happening in Europe as signs of things to come. When you turn your attention across to the, the South Pacific, you see there's a growing uh, tension between the U.S. and China, especially in the relationship of Taiwan and some of the the disputed territories in the South China Sea. Again, people are asking, is this the future that we're facing, a new world war? Some are already saying that we're in the early stages of the Third World War. We see a uh, European theatre and a potential of a Pacific theatre, just like we saw in World War II. But the question still is, what does the future hold? Now, we've all experienced the impact that COVID-19 had over the past few years around the world. We also saw at the end of last year here in Australia, the uh, homicide rates have risen by 16%. Uh, Unbelievable when you think of Australia um, as a country that's relatively peaceful that homicide rates would grow by 16% in the last reporting period. There are also many concerns by some on the in the area, and on the area, I guess, of climate change. People are looking to uh, all the problems happening around the world and around our country and pointing to concerns over climate change and asking what does the future hold. And the, really the big one that's hitting everybody really hard at the moment is the fragile global economy. And uh, we're all seeing that with the rise of inflation right here in Australia and around the world. And so people are asking again, what does the future hold? As I get out and travel around the country, I hear uh, this question being asked all of the time. So the question is, 
does uh, that th- does knowing the future is it something we should be seeking for? Is it something we should be trialing to understand? Uh, there's whole businesses built around telling you the future. But I want to take a, a look back, a step back. This is going to be a series of topics on the faith experiment in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to start by taking a step way back and looking at ancient civilizations. Because the funny thing is, is that there is records of ancient civilizations wanting to know what does the future hold. For example, there's a place called Delphi in Greece, which was a very famous place in ancient times for predicting the future. And down through the centuries, many people came here to the oracle at the temple of Apollo to try and understand what the future held. At the oracle, uh, there was a, a, a pithra or a priestess who would be seated on a tripod that stood over a cliff between the rocks and should go into a trance after breathing in the vapor coming up from the cliff And it was in this state that she was said to be able to deliver messages from Apollo concerning the future. And uh, she gave this to all those who came to seek her advice. And the interesting thing is is that famous people actually came here to Delphi. We have famous people such as Alexander the Great. He came. We have the Roman Emperor Nero. He even came to consult the oracle to discover what did the future hold. Now, today... Think of how many people around the world are consulting psychics, wanting to know what their future holds. If you still look at magazines, the centimeter columns for the horoscopes has risen exponentially over the last 20 to 30 years. There are thousands and thousands of psychics, even right here in Australia, who claim to have the ability to tell you what the future holds. Now, if you turn your attention to social media, it's even more amazing and astonishing how people try to tell the future. There are hundreds and hundreds of YouTube channels. There are thousands of TikTokers. And some of these TikTokers, they have more followers than the country population of Australia. And why is this that people are attracted to these people who claim to be able to tell the future? Well, it's pretty pretty easy to understand why. It's because people are anxious and they want to know what does their future hold. Now, we should understand from the very beginning that understanding the future is a pretty pretty difficult business. You can remember things like 2012 and the Mayan calendar. There were scores of psychics who were predicting the world would end that year. But what happened? Well, nothing happened. Uh, not to make fun of anybody, but it's just to prove the point that it's pretty hard to tell the future. And then you'll remember the year 2000. I shared with you on the, the very first episodes of the podcast, uh, The Faith Experiment, how that in the early 2000s I was working in IT. And uh, we were making bucket loads of cash out of the gloom and doom of Y2K. And people were supposing that the world would end, computers would crash, and the money system would collapse, and all that sort of stuff. But clearly nothing happened. We're all here 23 years later. Nothing happened. Again, it's not to show that people are you know, making fun of them, but there is clearly something very, very difficult about telling what will happen in the future. In fact, there was a magazine that's come out a few years ago called These Times Magazine, and they ran a survey on predictions of psychics and discovered that only six out of every 250 predictions were actually fulfilled. That's about 3%. And the same magazine also found that the leading psychics, their accuracy was about 16%. And so the question is, can we actually know the future? Is it even possible? I'd like to suggest on today's episode that there are two things we need to know for sure if there is any chance of knowing the future. The first is that a reliable source that could predict the future must be historically accurate. It has to get the facts right before we start talking about the future. And the second thing, it needs to have a proven track record. And so the question is, is there such a source that can provide us with a knowledge of the future using these two principles, historical accuracy and a proven track record? Well, I'd like to suggest that there absolutely is. And we're going to dig in after the break into some of the evidence that shows that there are documents that can predict the future. Time for a short break. Stick around. You'll get the code word coming up very, very soon. But right now, it's time for a song. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate.
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode number 45 of the Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode Ancient Discoveries. Now, on this episode, I have a fantastic giveaway called The Amazing Discoveries of Daniel Revelation. You want to get this magazine, so stick around for the code word. At the end of the show, I'll give it to you. You text it into the show number, 04-888-453-11. So say that number to your phone, 04-888-453-11. Now, before the break, I was sharing with you how that as I've been traveling around for the last couple of months, I have been meeting more and more people asking the question, what does the future hold? Can we know the future? They look at the things happening in Europe with Ukraine and Russia and the instability that's causing globally, and then they're turning their attention to what's taking place in the South China Sea and wondering, is there a Pacific theater that's about to develop and enter us into a third world war? We look at home and we see the inflation and the cost of living going up. We see the uh, concerns around what's happening in the environment and people are asking, can we know the future? Before the break, we looked at 
there's uh, probably two very important essentials that any source who claims to predict the future would have to have. And those two um, essentials would be, number one, historical accuracy. Whatever source we're going to explore, whether it's the TikTok um, uh, psychics or the YouTube uh, mediums or whether it's the column magazine uh, fortune tellers, that have to have historical accuracy, meaning they get the facts right when they whatever they're talking about. We're not dealing with myths and legends and fairy tales. It has to be a trust source, trustworthy source of information. And the second thing that source would need to have is dependable predictions. It would have to have a proven track record of fulfilled predictions. So is there such a source? Well, I believe there absolutely is. And the evidence is found in archaeology and history. So let's begin with archaeology, which is the scholarly term of literally digging up the past. We're going to start with some of archaeology's most significant discoveries, not the most famous, but the most significant from the perspective of do we have a source today with us that has historical accuracy and prophetic um, track record, dependable track record. Well, let's have a look at number one. We've got three of these ancient discoveries. Number one, in 1799, while Napoleon was in Egypt, scholars in his expedition discovered in the Delta region of Egypt a very, very famous stone. Today, that stone is known as the Rosetta Stone which you can go and see it in the British Museum in London if you really, really want to. But on this stone, I want you to imagine with me that there's a stone and on the face of it, there are three distinct areas of scripts or writing styles. Now, what's interesting is that on the bottom of the the stone, the bottom script is written in ancient Greek, which was well known to most scholars in 1799. And on the top, we see what you call basically Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now, in 1799, nobody understood um, Egyptian hieroglyphics, not even the Egyptians. It was a, a lost style of writing. And then in the middle was another script known as Demotic, which was like a, an Egyptian cursive script. And so what they assumed was that these three um, scripts or three languages were actually communicating the exact same message on this this stone, this what we call the Rosetta Stone. Now, thanks mainly to this brilliant Frenchman whose name was uh, Jean-Francois uh, Chapolion, it took him 20 years of working from the known Greek language. He eventually deciphered the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic language. Now, this was an incredible breakthrough because what it enabled was allowing scholars to be able to start to read and decipher these strange hieroglyphic writings on all the tombs and the temples and the papyrus documents of the ancient Egyptian world. And as a result, they could start to understand the history, the culture, and the religious beliefs of one of the greatest civilizations of the ancient world. So that's our first ancient discovery that lays the foundation for helping us understand the significance of some manuscripts that claim to have prophetic accuracy. The second of these very important ancient discoveries was made in Iran, which was the mighty home of the Persian Empire. Now, high on a cliff above an ancient silk road, there was a discovery made, which today is known as the Behistun Inscription. And in this inscription, it's it's supposed to be commissioned by uh, Darius the Great in 522 B.C., Now, in this inscription, we find a similar format to what we see on the Rosetta Stone. We see three different um, renderings in different languages of the exact same story. There's one in the Old Persian language, and the last one is in the cuneiform language, and the middle one was written in a Babylonian text. Now, the cuneiform was a script that was used in ancient Mesopotamia. But up until this point, when it was discovered, nobody understood cuneiform writing. Even though we had literally thousands of clay tablets, nobody understood what any of them said. Now, this Behistun inscription, there was a British soldier called Henry Rawlison. 
And he spent a lifetime, essentially, deciphering in the same way that they deciphered the Rosetta Stone. He used the same techniques and principles to decipher this Behistun inscription, looking at the cuneiform script of the ancient Mesopotamia. Now, as a result of his work, scholars were finally able to unlock literally thousands of clay tablets of the ancient Mesopotamians, and they could understand their religious beliefs, their practices, their rules, just the whole whole life of the cradle of civilization. So that's this ancient discovery number two, absolutely fascinating. Now, number three was a discovery which most people have heard of. It's a very famous discovery, and it was made at the Dead Sea near Israel, specifically a place called Qumran on the northwest edge of the Dead Sea. Now, in 1947, there were three young Bedouin boys who were taking care of their clan's goats when one of them strayed away into an area where some of these caves were. Now, the boys, not wanting to go into every cave looking for their lost goats, decided to start throwing rocks into these caves, hoping it would scare their their goats out. Now, in one of those caves, they threw the rocks in, and they heard a breaking pot or, or some sort of clay breaking. They raced in thinking they'd found maybe treasure, but to the disappointment, all they found was some old clay pots with some very old scrolls inside of it. So they took it back to their Bedouin clan and gave it to their leaders. And the clan leaders there took these scrolls, and this is 1947. They took these scrolls to an antiquities dealer near Bethlehem to a man called Mr. Kendo. And they sold a whole bunch of these old scrolls for 100 US dollars in 1947. A few years later, these same scrolls were sold for 500,000 US dollars. And today, these scrolls are considered to be priceless. You can't buy them if you had all the money in the world. And these scrolls have now been famously referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, the question is, why are they so valuable? Well, first of all, because they're very, very old. And anything that's old usually gets a lot of money these days. But the reason we know that they're old is because of the style of the script that they used to write. The second thing we use is radiocarbon dating. And then the third thing was there was a, some, some old coins that were inside these clay jars as well. When they looked at the style of the script, the radiocarbon dating of some of the manuscript um, material and also these coins... They have concluded, archaeologists have concluded, that these scrolls date between 100 and 200 BC. So these are extremely old documents. Now, what's fascinating is, is that the second reason that these documents are so valuable is because they contain ancient predictions with a proven track record. Now, what are these scrolls? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, one-third of the scrolls contained rules and regulations of a group of um, basically uh, uh, monastic-type people who were off living in these this part, trying to get away from Jerusalem. Uh, we believe they were probably known as the Essenes. That was the group of people. And they were trying to live godly lives up there in the mountains and the caves around Qumran. So one-third of the documents is dealing with their religious beliefs and practices. But the majority of these scrolls, about 40% of them, are actually a copy of every book in the Bible's Old Testament, except the book of Esther. Now, they're still finding scrolls, so Esther may be found, but up until today, we have every one of the, the books of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, except for the book of Esther. Now, why is it so valuable that we have this copy? Because when they've examined the writing of these old copies of these manuscripts, I mean, some of these are like 2,200 years old, what they have found is that the original documents or the, the copies of these original documents, nobody has made any real big changes. So if you compare a 2,200-year-old copy of these manuscripts to the Bible you have in your bookshelf, there is virtually no difference. There's a couple of differences of spelling of names and places, but the fundamental meaning of these texts has not changed, which shocked scholars because there was a belief that the Bible would have had mistakes introduced to it after such a long period of time. But that wasn't the case. Well, it's time to take a short break now. 
And uh, when we come back, we're going to keep digging into these amazing ancient discoveries. Now, stick around for today's code. It's coming out very, very soon to get this amazing magazine of Daniel and Revelation and its amazing prophecies. I'll see you right after this on The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.
You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to episode 45 called Ancient Discoveries. And on this episode, we've been looking at this idea that there's a lot of uncertainty taking place in the world, and people are asking questions, is it possible to know what the future holds? And we've looked at how that in the TikTok space and YouTube and back of magazines and newspapers, there is a growing number of people who claim to be able to have the psychic gifts to tell you the future. But I want to explore, is there a source that has both historical accuracy and a dependable track record when talking about the future? And so we've looked at three amazing discoveries in the ancient world that is helping us to establish a source to answer exactly that question. Is there a source or a document that can predict the future accurately? We looked at the Rosetta Stone, the Behistun inscription, and lastly, we looked at the Dead Sea Scrolls. So let's come back now to those two vital essentials that a source must have if its predictions concerning the future are to be taken seriously. Historical accuracy and a proven track record of fulfilled prophecies. So how does the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Bible stack up to these two essentials? So what evidence do we have for its historical accuracy? Let's see the evidence that's been discovered from science and archaeology. If we were to go back to ancient Babylonian Empire, which would be in modern-day Iraq today, we would find in the year 600 B.C., there would be a king, and his name would have been Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar claims, in the Bible account at least, to have raided Jerusalem three times. And from a biblical perspective, we get the dates of 605 BC, 597, and 586 BC. Now, for a very, very long time, some scholars and some archaeologists and skeptics have claimed that the Bible got it wrong these raids never have happened. There were never this many raids, and uh, basically the story is a bit of a hyperbole on the part of the Israelites. Now, that would be the case, and it was the case for a very long time, except that archaeologists have now discovered a tablet that confirms his second raid in 597 BC. Now, in the um, biblical text, the ancient manuscripts, in the book of Jeremiah, there is a claim of this account. It says, Then all the officials of the kingdom of Babylon came and took the seats in the middle gate, so this is in Jerusalem, and it mentions a number of these officers from Babylon that came, and it mentions one of them as Nebo Sasikim. Now it says specifically Nebo Sasikim. Now people have argued for many, 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 many years that there is no evidence of a Nebo Sasikim, and in fact, no evidence of the other chief officers anywhere, ever. Therefore, the Bible was faked or mistaken. Now, that was true up until, well, it wasn't necessarily true. That's what, that was the common held belief up until July 5th, 2007. Now, that wasn't that long ago. But in 2007, a, uh, a Dr. Michael, who was working at the University of Vienna, he spent his whole lifetime studying cuneiform. That's the Babylonian script that was decoded from the Behistun inscription. And as he's just going through literally thousands of these little clay tablets in the uh, British Museum, he came across a clay tablet which he translated that talks about, you guessed it, Nebo Sasikim, a chief official. Now archaeologists believe that this individual in the clay cuneiform tablet is the same individual that's mentioned by Jeremiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Absolutely amazing. That, that only came to light in 2007. And that's because of the work of decoding that Behistun inscription. Now, ancient Babylonians had numerous methods of predicting the future. For example, in the uh, Old Testament, or the Dead Sea Scrolls, it claims that the Babylonians examined sheep's livers to predict the future. It actually calls it liver omens. This is what it says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 21, verse 21. It says, the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the roads, at the fork of two roads. He uses divination, that's trying to tell the future. He shakes the arrow, he consults the images, and he looks at the liver. Now again, people had said, what is the Bible on about here? That makes no sense whatsoever. looks at the liver. Well, that was until archaeologists have discovered clay livers, like literally imagine a liver out of, an, out of a sheep or a goat, and a clay model of it. 
And what we now understand, because we understand cuneiform, is that the Babylonians used these clay um, livers as templates to compare sacrifice from a king to the clay tablet and where the little knobs and bumps and shapes and dark patches and things were on the clay one on and comparing to the real one, that predicted the future. Kind of like reading tea leaves or something like that. Now, this was only possible because now we understood what the cuneiform actually meant. Now, during one of Nebuchadnezzar's attacks on Jerusalem during his three raids, it says in the biblical text that he took captives from Jerusalem and brought them to Babylon. And one of those individuals was called Daniel. This is the same Daniel that writes the book of Daniel in your Old Testament Bible or in these Dead Sea Scrolls. So Daniel is taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and he's put to work in the palace. Very quickly in his um, sort of autobiography account that Daniel gives, he claims that he was given um, information about the future from his God, Yahweh, to give to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, what's interesting is that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, this book of Daniel, this scroll of Daniel, was one of the favorites because there's just so many uh, fragments and copies of these manuscripts of Daniel amongst the collection. And the fascinating thing is, is that it's this ancient Dead Sea Scroll of Daniel that contains predictions that have an uncanny proven track record. We're going to explore some of those over the course of this little series here on the Faith Experiment. Now, some of the predictions that Daniel claims he's been given from God in his time period are for his time period, for his contemporaries. But he also is told that many of the predictions he's been given is for not his time, but for what he calls the time of the end, which is absolutely astonishing. Now, as we uh, look at some more of these, these archaeological facts that have proven or validated these Dead Sea Scrolls, one of them is that in Daniel chapter 4, this book of Daniel claims that Nebuchadnezzar, the King Nebuchadnezzar, was responsible for rebuilding and enlarging the city of Babylon. Now, up until recently, that was seen as a furphy or a bit of a lie or an exaggeration at best because there was no evidence that Nebuchadnezzar built this city, Babylon. And so some skeptics of the Bible account said it's a lot of rubbish, uh, we, we know what really happened, blah, 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 blah. And that was until archaeologists began to excavate in Iraq and they discovered that as they were taking apart the Ishtar Gates, which are now in the Berlin um, Museum, Pergamon Museum in Berlin, they found that every brick that they, they disassembled there in Babylon, or ancient Babylon, and they transported it over there to Germany, they found that each of those bricks had an inscription which they could now read because they understood cuneiform. And this is what the inscription reads. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, laid the foundation of the gates. Now, if you happen to go to the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, you will see on display hundreds of these bricks with Nebuchadnezzar's name stamped into them that says, I'm the one, I'm the guy that uh, built this city. Now, he obviously didn't build himself. He had slaves and servants and so on. But the point here is, is that Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible text is claimed to be the one who built Babylon. And now in archaeology, in the cuneiform writing of that civilization, it says the same thing, showing that the biblical accuracy of the historical facts was spot on despite the fact it took a couple of hundred years for archaeologists to find the evidence to support the biblical account. So time and time again, archaeologists have discovered, with these, uh, these sorts of discoveries, they've been able to demonstrate the amazing historical accuracy of the Dead Sea Scroll. Now, one last example I want to share briefly with you is about the ancient Hittites. Now, in the biblical manuscripts, the Hittites are mentioned about 40 times. Here's one example in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 7, verse 6. It says, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Now, what's interesting, in the 1860s Encyclopedia Britannica, only eight lines are written on the Hittites, which are pretty much all from the Bible. And that's because scholars couldn't find any mention of the Hittites anywhere outside the Bible. And it's for this exact reason that some scholars and historians said the Bible was wrong, there was no such people. But that was until 
archaeologists began to excavate a site in Turkey when they discovered the Hittites were actually a mighty empire. In a place called Hattusa, they found it was a capital city for the Hittites, and it's a huge city. There's massive lion sculptures at the entrance of the city. There's uh, temples. There's places for their gods. There's inscriptions on walls. There's all kinds of things that show that the, the Hittites were, in fact, a an established empire. Now, remember that the Rosetta Stone helped uncover and decipher Hieroglyphs. Well, archaeologists discovered inside the temple of Ramses II an inscription, and the inscription depicts Ramses II fighting, guess who? The Hittites. So not only was it now established outside of the Bible in terms of the discoveries of Hattusa, it was also discovered in the writings of ancient Egypt. In fact, if you go to the Istanbul Museum in Turkey, you can even find documents that articulate an Egyptian-Hittite peace treaty all showing that the scholars now understand that the ancient Hittite empire rivaled both the Assyrians and the Egyptians and that the Bible was correct. And then historians had to rewrite their history books. And so archaeology confirms the historical accuracy of these biblical manuscripts, which is why one of the world's greatest archaeologists of our time, at least, was W.F. Albright. Uh, He was an author of over 800 works on archaeology. He was the director of the American School of Oriental Research. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, In the center of history stands the Bible. Thanks to modern research, we can now recognize its substantial historical accuracy. To sum up, we can now treat the Bible from beginning to end, listen to his words, as an authentic document of religious history. That comes from a book that he wrote called History, Archaeology and Christian Humanism on page 297. Absolutely fascinating when you look at these ancient discoveries. So when you look at the uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, or what you'd call the Old Testament Bible today, it meets the criteria for the very first essential of knowing the future. To know the future, you'd have to have historical accuracy. And that's what these three amazing ancient discoveries have all contributed to. The Rosetta Stone helped unlock the Egyptian hieroglyphs, which allowed us now to see that the biblical story and narratives, the factual aspects of them, were in fact just that. They were factual. We can see the same story told from a different civilization's perspective. And then from the Behistun inscription, we've been able to decipher the cuneiform script, which has given us access to literally thousands of clay tablets written in ancient Mesopotamia. These have confirmed individuals, events, and dates that up until recently, only the Bible contained the information. And so now we are confident that the biblical account in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is 2,200 years old, hasn't changed in its meaning or its message. So we've got a document now that has the first essential for knowing the future, historical accuracy. Well, it's starting a short break now. Stick around because coming up next is the code word for today's great free giveaway, amazing discoveries in the books of Daniel and Revelation. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888845311. That's 04888845311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. Oh, I'm a traveler. Far from home I get lost But I press on Cause there's a mansion And streets of gold 
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Hello there and welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen and this is episode number 45 of The Faith Experiment and I'm calling this episode Ancient Discoveries. And we kind of started a new little series here on The Faith Experiment. We're going to explore these ancient biblical manuscripts and ask ourselves some really challenging questions and see if these documents can contain practical answers that we can put into practice. So far on this episode, we have been looking at this idea that the world is in some really interesting times. People are asking the question as they look to Europe, as they look to the the South Pacific, they're asking the question, what does the future hold? What happens in Europe if this Ukraine thing doesn't resolve? What happens in the South Pacific if China does do what it threatens to do and take Taiwan? Will the U.S. get involved? Will we enter into a stage of a third World War. What's happening with the inflation in our own country here in our own backyard and the rising rate of crime? People want to know what does the future hold? And as I've traveled around the country this past year, people have been asking everywhere I go, Robbie, what do you think um, the future holds? Well, I'm going to try and answer some of those questions in this series of exploring the uh, ancient manuscripts and what the future holds. And as we have explored today, the foundation for this little um, journey through the ancient manuscripts is to ask ourselves this, what are the essentials for knowing the future? Number one, we've said the essential is historical accuracy. Whatever the source is, and in this case we're claiming it's the biblical manuscripts, they have to be historically accurate. They can't get the the basics wrong. And uh, some scholars and some skeptics And even historians have argued that the Bible has had it wrong and has got it wrong. And yet, time and time again, archaeology uh, uncovers something 
that causes not the Bible to be changed, but the history books to be changed. And on this episode, we've explored how that the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is what we'd call the Old Testament of our Bibles today, have been historically accurate from the Babylonian perspective, from the Hittite perspective, from some of the names of places. So it seems to tick this first essential of Bible prophecy. But the second one is what most people are interested in, and that is, do these ancient manuscripts contain a proven track record of dependable predictions? Well, that's what we're going to pick up on the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'm calling the next episode The Prophetic Code. So make sure you tune in next week, the same time, the same place. If you're missing episodes, make sure you get the Faith Experiment on your app or on a good podcasting platform and don't miss a single episode. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode, I'd love to have some feedback. Let me know what you thought. Text it in 0488845311 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. Also, if you have any questions on today's episode, I would love to hear them. I will do my best to respond to you or I can put you in contact with someone local to you who'd be able to help you explore your own faith experiment. So let me know. Text me on 0488-45311. That's 0488-45311 or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. All right, well, I said at the top of the show that you have the chance to get a great free giveaway on this episode. And now is that time. So take out your phone, uh, take out the pen, whatever you got to do to write this down. You want to text this code word of hash, that's the hash symbol, with the letter FE, Faith Experiment, and the number 45. That's all one, one code word, hash FE45. Text that to the Faith Experiment number 04888. 45311. That's 04888845311. That's the code word hash FE45 to 04888845311. Text that in. The SMS bot will ask you for some details and we'll get you this amazing resource, the amazing prophecies of Daniel Revelation sent out to you absolutely for free. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week on The Faith Experiment. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 0488 45311. That's 0488 Or send an email to robbie at and let us know what you thought of this episode. Hey, guess what? Robbie here. This is a bonus. The Faith Experiment is going to be going live. Not on radio, but in person. Check out faithfm.com.au slash events to see where I'll be visiting next. I'll be visiting towns and cities right across Australia presenting The Faith Experiment in person. So if you'd like to join me, come say hello, or just dig deeper into these amazing manuscripts and put some faith into experimentation Check out faithfm.com.au slash events and see where I'll be visiting next.